I was talking to my son the other day about the pressures of living in a relatively small town. Now, being a school teacher, he's pretty well known. Um, But he works hard at trying to keep a low profile. His conversations are often quiet and guarded, especially in the supermarkets and in the shops. You never know who's listening, he says. He also told me about people in town seem to know too much about everybody else's business and not always with good results. He was telling me that there are families that have been divided for generations over something that was done or said and that most of them can't even remember what the initial cause was. But it has led to violence and retaliation. This was years ago but it still goes down through the generations. The violence and retaliation still takes place today. The world that Jesus lived in was very similar. People in his day who wrote about the happenings in the world at the time describe incidents just like the one I've mentioned. But there was also bigger ones as well. Romans insulting Jews, Samaritans attacking Jews, Jews retaliating, different Jewish parties insulting and attacking each other. The fault lines often ran through villages, through families, and sometimes even through households. But under the intensity of military occupation, parties became very jumpy and often reacted badly to anything that even looked out of place. Part of the tragedy of these situations is that people often took their anger home. Not as though that ever happens today. If emotional people are able to control their emotions and take full responsibility for their lives, their actions, along with being able to handle their anger, resentment, insecurities, disappointments, fears, jealousies, guilts, and a lot of other emotions, then we are all probably a little immature. I said last week that Jesus called the people of Israel to be light to the world. How can they deal with all that's going on in their world and anger as well? How can anger be diffused and prevented from spilling over into violence? Well, I think if I could give you a quick and simple answer today, it would go a long way in solving many situations around the world, not to mention things like domestic violence or even road rage. But I do think that in this section of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus takes the commands of the law and shows how they provide a blueprint for a way forward, a way of being fully genuinely and gloriously human. I believe that this new way, which Jesus not only spoke about, but also lived out, goes deeply down into the very roots of personality and produces a different pattern of behaviour altogether. We all know that feeling, don't we? It starts off with smouldering anger against somebody. And yes, I have to admit, It is a long way from murder, isn't it? 
But that's not the point of this commandment against murder. It wasn't that it was okay as long as you stopped short of murdering them. I mean, a good belting isn't murder. Jumping out of your car and letting, letting somebody else know just how bad a driver they are, especially compared to yourself, that's not murder. The point is that you should never get even near, even the thought you wish harm to someone else. Why not? Well, there is a cost to it. What's the cost? The cost is judgment. Verse 22, God's judgment clearly. But I want you to think about this. God's judgment isn't simply an arbitrary, a punishment that will catch up with you. And it will catch up with you one day. But rather a judgment that will begin right now. Every time you decide to let anger smouldering inside of you, every time you decide to wallow in anger, every time you hold on to anger you have for another person, you are becoming less than fully human. If you let that anger smoulder away inside, eventually it will flare up. And that flare up may eventually take hold of all of you. That's what Jesus meant when he referred to the hell of fire, a consuming fire, something that will take control of you. In other translations, it's a place called Gehenna. You see, Gehenna was a smouldering garbage dump just outside of Jerusalem. It was a place where discarded trash and where, they, where it was also a burning mess of sewage, flesh and garbage. It was a foul-smelling area, quickly repelling visitors. And all of history knows about the human sacrifices that took place in this area. This gave it a true picture of torment and was often used as an image of hell. Well, what's the alternative? Well, there's a number of alternatives. Jesus offers two remarkable differences in this passage. First one, be reconciled. Second one, far more complicated, make friends. Jesus is saying, make friends. How simple is that? And yet, we know how difficult it can be, and it can be costly. It will involve almost certainly climbing down from our own self-righteous pedestal that we like to place ourselves, abandoning our position of superiority over the person you're angry at. But there is also something else striking about what Jesus is saying. Reconciliation takes precedence over worship. Verse 23 and 24, Jesus says that if you're on your way to the temple, substitute church, having brought your sacrifice offering on, and you suddenly remember that you have a relationship that's not right, Leave your sacrifice at the altar and return home and put things right. Just think about that, what Jesus is saying. You see, the people Jesus is talking to live a three-day journey from the temple. 
It is almost comical that somebody would do such a thing. But as often the case with Jesus' teaching, he's exaggerating to get his point across. The point is, though, that we must live in such a way every day that when you come to worship, there must be no anger between you, your neighbour, your sister, your brother. Not just within families, but in the, within the community. In the Christian community, we all see each other as brothers and sisters. Jesus widens his thinking in verse 25. If you're going to court to fight out your legal differences, don't let it get to court if you can avoid it, he says. Sort out things beforehand. You may well end up in jail and you might have to fork out everything you have. This is good advice, but it reaches out a lot further than mere lawsuits. Again, we've got to look at, Jesus, look at Israel. Israel was in trouble, oppressed by the pagan Romans and outside, the outs, from outside and from the rich aristocrats from inside. A lot of Jewish people longed for the day, longed for the day of God's court when they would be provided and proven right that their enemies on both sides would be found out and overthrown. Jesus is saying, don't think like that. Make friends, not enemies. You never know what will happen. Your enemies, your enemies may well win the case. And then what will you do? The other thing Jesus offers us is, yes, there is judgment. But there is a, and there is a cost to our relationships with God and each other that breaks down. That's what's called sin. It is in God's great love that he has offered us life and good relationships with each other and with him. Not judgment, not death. Jesus has, has shown that way, opened that way of reconciliation. It is in his love, not his judgment, that we live. Jesus came and took the burden of death and sacrifice for all our sins. Shortly in our service, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. There is a time just before that called the greeting of the peace. Funny enough, in churches... Oh, no, I've done this, so normally, normally I do this. Put my hand up. Um, normally, it's an opportunity to have a quick catch-up, talk about work, talk about, I don't know, the footy, probably one of my favourites, <laughs> or even the kids. Well, that's not what it was instituted for. It's a bit like the person going to the temple. It is a moment just to make sure you are right with each other. And there isn't any anger between us. And if there is, that is the time to put it right before we come to the Lord's table. Jesus himself refused to go the way of anger. Instead, instead of anger from his enemies both within Israel and his enemies um, of, his, of Israel themselves, the Romans, 
He took them. He took their their anger for those people upon himself and died under that load so that we don't have to, so that we are free from that judgment, from that anger. From that point on, reconciliation is not simply an ideal we might strive for. It is an achievement, an accomplishment, something that Jesus has done. This is what we are called to. This is what our challenge is to strive for. But to embody it, to embrace it, to make it become part of our lives, that is the real challenge. Amen.